Welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines. We're brought to you by Wenting's Cycle and Mission. Here's your Wenting's word of the week. It is power. Mention that word to Bruce or any staff member the next time you are at Wenting's and you'll win a prize. It's just that easy. Once again, your Wenting's word of the week is power. We're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. With the race season just around the corner, it's time to get serious about your training, and TriJoy can help. We'll meet with you in person to discuss your goals, make a training plan, and give you the support you need to achieve them. Email for your free in-person consultation. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See the link at the bottom of this page. On our program today, we'll have part two of our interview with 2019 Ultraman World Champion Jordan Bryden. I'll also have your race results from the Mission Hypothermic Half. But to kick things off, the roundtable. And welcome again to another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines, along with Zach Newfeld and Kevin Watt. Mikey Ross is on assignment. No, not really. Mikey is not here for the start of FitSpeak 90. He is being a good host. He's got some uh, friends in town, so he's playing host to them. Um, boy, oh boy, the last time the three of us got together for a podcast, it was sometime before Christmas. Can you believe it? Uh, the time has flown. Um, let's start off with KW. What have you been doing in the past six, eight weeks? <laughs> Recovering from the snow. What else? Uh, oh, by the way, it is, uh, what's the date? February 3rd, 2020. So it's been, what, two and a half months? Yeah. Two and a half months. So, well, it's good. Um, you know what? It was nice out uh, on the weekend. Got out on my bike. I've been hitting the dike. Uh, now, for for your future sponsors, uh, you're talking a, gra- a gravel bike or a cyclocross bike or what? Uh, right now, just gravel bike. Um, Who makes it? I've got a felt. Ah. Uh, it's it's heavy. I did Matt Scott's ride a couple of years ago, and I probably flatted uh, I don't know seven or eight times uh, in one day. Um, so I've changed out those tires put on some bomb proof wire beads and uh i'm ready to go uh usually around this time of the year gravitate <laughs> towards uh the dikes in matsqui and in uh pit lake area just just because um i don't know it's a little bit safer out on the roads and stuff like that but you know you can you can peel out 100 kilometers with no problem out on the dikes and, and it's safe right so you know, I think that's actually not the, the the trend that's going on right now for people. Uh, they're kind of hitting the the dikes and stuff like that. So it's a good safe riding. Safe riding is where it's at nowadays. I mean, you know, back in the day, not that long ago, of course, we'd do Dudney Trunk Road, and what a beautiful ride that is. Sure, right. It's getting a little dicey in places. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, a lot of people have just kind of decided to lean towards hitting the dikes uh you know safety is always paramount and you know people just want to enjoy the ride they don't want to get frustrated with drivers and all the rest of it so well it's good to hear that you're back on the bike and you're enjoying it and we're looking for uh some exciting things to happen in the uh cycling career for kevin and uh you know what today is february the third yesterday of course was february zach newfeld how did you celebrate groundhog day 
I noticed it was Groundhog Day on Facebook. When oh, I, saw, I noticed it today. I saw Bill Murray pop up. And uh -huh. I thought that was, it just took me back to Groundhog Day, the movie. Oh, wasn't that the best movie? movie I've, one of the better movies I've seen. So. I love that movie. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Now, one of the things that we were also talking about was not only was yesterday, of course, being February the 2nd, Groundhog Day, it was also kind of like a, a big day in American sports because that's the, the time that they hold probably the biggest television event of the year. And, of course, the, the Super Bowl was held. Do you know who won? I'll tell you. Jennifer uh, Lopez won the Super Bowl. Oh, man. Apparently. Jennifer Lopez won over... Not Shakira? Shakira. Well, you know, I think it could be an age thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so depending on who you poll, Shakira or I'm Jennifer Lopez, Shakira. Kevin. Right. Yeah. That is tough. I like them both. I, you know... Chocolate ice cream or vanilla? I, I'm, I'm both. Yeah. Sorry, it's, it's not tough. <laughs> <laughs> Shakira. <laughs> what the, do you mean? The, Those hips don't lie. Okay. What? And and I did actually spend some time watching it at a, one of the local places. Um, Cool win by Kansas City. They won the game in the last six minutes. Uh, it was kind of an extraordinarily exciting Super Bowl till the very end. Uh, so that was a, a sporting event that I was paying attention to. In addition to that, we've had a few uh, local sporting events that did not feature Shakira, sorry to say. Um, one of them, however, featured our ATC uh, correspondent, My Coach Mikey Ross. He did pretty well at the Hypothermic Half. No, he did not win, but he turned in a pretty stout time around an hour and 36 minutes and he was saying that some of his uh, students or uh, athletes from the ATC did pretty well including the winner whose name escapes me at the moment but went 122 so congratulations to that ATC member who we will uh, try and get a name with in the future um, as far as other running events happening not in the Fraser Valley but out in Vancouver of course uh, a tradition here on the west coast the Pacific first half marathon is being held. Lots of things happening in the world of running. Lots of uh, Canadian records being set for the women's division in the half marathon. And of course, if you've been watching on CBC News or listening to CBC Radio, you're hearing my boss over at Triathlon Magazine Canada, Kevin McKinnon, making some comments. They were talking about this new uh, running shoe controversy. It's a shoe made by Nike called the Vaporfly, and a lot of the sanctioning bodies and a lot of people who are, uh, I suppose, experts on the sport of running are chiming in and weighing the pros and cons. You know, should this shoe be allowed? I've never seen them before nor wore them, but apparently they're giving people who wear them a... Uh, supposedly an unfair advantage mind you that's what they said when aero bars came out in cycling so we'll see what happens in the world of running with that um, speaking of cycling it's happening again tax time and of course along with tax time comes the start of the spring cycling series and we've got the first race of the spring series cycling series coming our way and this only happens once every four years it's happening on February 29th it's happening on River Road it's the traditional race out at Alder Acres out right. in the Fort Langley area. We'll be giving you more information on how to sign up for that in our upcoming event schedule. Um, in addition to celebrating Groundhog Day and getting your, uh, uh, well, Shakira on, what else is happening in the world of Zach? I've been doing a lot of trail running in, uh, in, in really all different sorts of weather, actually. I went out in the snow a little while ago, uh, ran up... Uh, 
ledge view. I've been doing ledge view, um, Sumas Mountain, and I've been riding around Mill Lake quite a bit as well with some friends. So I've been really enjoying that. And you're going to tell us about a few uh, running events or yeah. triathlon events? Yeah, we've got some triathlons coming up here in the new year. First off is the UBC Triathlon Duathlon on March the 7th, followed by the Delta Tri on May 2nd. That's a, a new reboot, I yes. believe. After that is the North Shore Tri on May 18th, and then the big Kahuna Ironman 70.3 Victoria in on May 31st. So yeah, a whole lot happening in the Fraser Valley. We've got uh, trail running. Zach's been doing the trails. Kevin Watt's been doing the dikes. We've got some duathlons, some triathlons coming back, uh, road racing with the Spring Series returning, and the big, big running event in the Fraser Valley. This thing is uh, the big one, kind of like Abbotsford's version of the Sun Run, which of course is the run for water. But for the folks who haven't been around that long, in addition to the run for water, which features all sorts of distances, they've decided to kind of branch out and try and raise even more money for water in Africa. There's this event called the Ride for Water, and it's actually a gravel ride. Kevin, tell us about that. Well, that's Matt Scott hosting that one. He's putting it on. Matt Scott is uh, famous for um, uh, hosting other local bike races, but this one specifically will be held on uh, May 2nd in um, the Chilliwack Valley. He'll have three different distances. Um, he's got a 27K for funsies. <laughs> he's got a 71K medio, and uh, he's got the epic route 130 kilometer ride. So if you guys sign up now and get in on the early bird, uh, you can sign up for just 125 bucks. Uh, it's a great event. Matt puts on a spectacular event. I'll guarantee that any day of the week. So sign up now, and uh, don't forget that the prices will be going up March 15th. And if you sign up early enough, perhaps Kevin Watt will be your riding partner for the middle distance. And that is our roundtable. Triathlon, a fairly new sport, which is actually three sports in one. Swimming, biking, and running. Three sports and a multitude of distances you can choose to compete in. Most people new to the sport do what's called a sprint. That's a 750 meter swim, a 20 kilometer bike, and a 5 kilometer run. Maybe the most famous of triathlon distances is the Ironman. That's almost 4 kilometers of swimming, just under 200 kilometers of cycling, and to end things off, a full marathon. That's right, 42 kilometers of running. Well, running if you're strong enough to run at the end of one of these things. But the Ironman isn't the longest distance triathlon there is. Some are so long they take days to complete. For example, there's the Ultraman distance. It's held over three days. On the first day, if you're crazy enough to enter, you'll swim 10 kilometers. More if you don't swim straight. You'll get out of the water and ride your bike for 160 kilometers. Day two is a long bike ride. 270 kilometers. But the most challenging day is day three, the double marathon. Yeah, real people, not cyborgs, do this sort of stuff. I did my first and probably only one back in the summer of 2017. Along with me, there were 17 other crazy people who wanted to test their physical and mental limits. One of them was a former neighbor of mine from Airdrie, Alberta, Jordan Bryden. 
At the end of the day, I was happy because I finished. Jordan was happy because he won, although I'm not too sure which one of us who was happier. The ultra distance really suited Jordan and he came back to Penticton last year to do another ultra and he won that too. By winning it, he was invited to go to Hawaii to compete in the world championships. If you were listening in part one of our interview, yeah, you know what happened next. He won that race too. Today, in part two of our interview with the world champion, we'll find out about just how important the role is of a crew in the Ultraman, the strategy he used to win that race, and what an athlete's mind does in a race that's so darn long. We'll also get to meet Jordan Bryden, the graphic designer. He's the guy who pays the bills for his triathlon habit. Let's welcome back 2019 Ultraman World Champion, Jordan Bryden. So let's get to the, uh, to the crowning achievement of the year, the 2019 uh, Ultraman World Championships. Uh, tell us about that amazing weekend that you had, starting from the moment you got into the water and uh, fortunately didn't have too many or any encounters with jellyfish. Yeah, no, I, uh, I was originally actually planning on not wearing a wetsuit, but <laughs> um, you are allowed to wear a wetsuit in that race. And it is one of those things that, you know, it, it's not just a um, buoyancy um, device and it's not just something that maybe can help you uh, stay more linear in the water. It's also something that can keep you safe and that was the real reason I ended up wearing the wetsuit. Um, I was worried that I might get a little bit too hot in it and I did get pretty warm for sure, but mm -hmm. um, sea lice, anything like that wasn't um, an issue because, you know, one jellyfish sting and you can pretty much have a, a a big problem on your hands so unless your name is daniela <laughs> reef and then you just keep rolling <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah she's a different level than mm. most <laughs> um no the uh the swim was pretty smooth the whole way i felt like i had structured it um quite well i went out really hard for the first 400 meters because i didn't want anyone trying to pop onto my boat <laughs> mm -hmm. pop onto my feet um and to just establish some level of distance so that i could stop worrying about everyone else and just sit on the front and work my pace mm -hmm. and that was <clears throat> once I, once i kind of had that gap i was very comfortable with what my stroke rate was and working hard and really just swimming as as well as i could um but then i i didn't take into account maybe the fact that there could be this this big head current um that year so i was planning on being out of the water around 215 to 218 and i didn't come in until i think it was over 240 um just simply because uh the currents were a little bit rougher that day and everyone was swimming much slower than um they had before in that course i was uh was a little bit <laughs> a little bit bonky coming out of the water but my crew and was you know just golden the whole time and i think anyone who is interested in the ultra distance knows or should know that your crew is your lifeline like they are as important as your bike <laughs> and, <laughs> to get through that race what and they Jordan, do uh, dictates I'm so, sorry to interrupt, Jordan, but uh, you might as well give props to the people who deserve it. Who was your crew in Hawaii this year? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, first up was actually um, 
Brad Sawa, who's the Ultraman Canada race director. He uh, he's from Calgary too, and I called him after the race when I first, or I called him before the race, and I said, "Oh, I need another person," and he didn't even hesitate to come. So Brad was amazing. Um, my second crew member was actually um, a client of mine. I'm a graphic designer, and uh, Dave Duan lives on the island. He's a ex New Zealander. Uh, okay. Uh, a little business there called Big Island Tri Adventures, and he knows his way around the sport quite well. And then, of course, my third crew member was my girlfriend, Devin, who uh, had crewed for me not only at Patagonia Man, but she also a Canada Man earlier this season where I placed third. Wow. Um, and then also at Ultraman Canada. So she had her work cut out for her this year with mm-hmm. four crewing expense <laughs> opportunities within the less than twelve month period. So Jordan, how are you? How are you uh, paying back the the favors? Those massive favors to Brad and your girlfriend. <laughs> oh, we can't let them listen to that this podcast. Then I'm gonna have to make sure they don't. If they <laughs> gotcha. no, of course, um, they've been really, you know, good and supportive. And I think that there's such a, a feeling of camaraderie on that course. It doesn't matter who your crew is. Um, everybody just kind of comes together to support each other, and it makes for a really unique and special environment that I don't think anyone who's only done an Ironman can understand um it really is a lot um closer knit than you can get anywhere else and i think you you know that better than most because you have been in that uh environment before right it's hard to explain yeah it's um when you're out there with your crew and you know being towards the very back of the pack i mean there was there was some company for me back there but it's not really a a competitive environment like a like an ironman distance race it it's you know you're all in this together to get through the darn thing so you can all you know celebrate your achievements at the end yeah totally no and so that carries on into obviously um the the rest of the days out there so day one you know finishing off the bike just some really good crew support um i rode pretty hard that day i knew that um you know upgrade one thing twice and he was going to be the the one to chase me next that was pretty evident going into the race um but day two it was a little bit of an unknown for how it would play out. It was going to be a very rainy day. Um, conditions were probably going to be very windy and they turned out to be quite windy. So that led to just trying to be as strategic as possible and making decisions based on you know, what my strengths were versus what other people's perceived weaknesses could be. Um, you never really know until you're out there. But you do kind of get a feel for people right off the start line on if they're tight, if they're um, going to race strictly off of their pace, or if they're going to actually be head-to-head racers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you make your initial moves to kind of just feel out what people are going to do um, and then read the race that way. And uh, I was, I, I felt like I did a good job at understanding how people were uh, performing that day and where they were going to put their efforts in. So I just tried to gauge myself accordingly. Ended up coming across uh, the line. Originally, I was going to be a third bike. I actually caught Mark right in the last climb up to uh, Javi, but Arnaud and Rob Gray both rode really well that day. 
They're they're both a lot lighter than me. I'm a pretty big guy at you, six five. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That um that last big climb definitely was on my mind, and I knew I had to be ready for it. And I was lucky not to lose much time on them. Um, going into you know the real day, like day three, I think everyone knows uh, when they first hear about Ultraman Kona. Like day three is the day, right? It's mm-hmm. is when you <laughs> when you ride the Kona bike course and you are at that turnaround point and you go past that mailbox. You're like, okay, <laughs> I gotta ride home. That's a long way. Well, that's a that's the run course. That's the run course. You know, exactly where mm. you. <laughs> that's where you go. So it could be pretty intimidating and any sort of a gap. And I had. I think 10 minutes on Rob. It doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> yeah, you can have um, a couple of moments of uh, poor judgment or whatever, and that 10 minutes can evaporate very quickly. Um, my race strategy, I guess, just came down to like one thing. It was just like, don't let Rob take a step in front of you. <laughs> mm, just like that. And that, you know, I'm used to doing um some speed work throughout the year and some fast workouts so i knew i could handle attacks i knew i could recover from people making moves and that as long as i just kept one foot in front of him i would probably end up holding on to that lead and that that rang very true throughout the whole day the only thing that maybe we didn't expect was that Mark would run just as quick as he did, and he was first across the finish line. You know, he ran away from us from the, I think it was like 15, 18K mark. He just started to pull ahead and never saw him again until the finish line. So mm-hmm. um, luckily we had a, had a good gap on that from day one and two. Were there any moments, especially on the run day, where you really had to dig deep, you know, you perhaps had some self-doubt, perhaps the the nutrition was starting to flag and things started to kind of cave in for you? Yeah, you know, um, it was funny because I ran the whole thing. I never walked, never took a step of walking except for um, stopping for traffic lights, which you kind of have to do. (laughs) Yeah. And oh, it's painful when you come up to a traffic light and you just miss it. Man, oh, I can't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> there was a. I had made a, a move on Rob right around the 36k mark because um, I heard he was starting to try to come back on me after I put a little gap in. And I was like, oh, all right, this is this is working really well. And then you get Twykaloa, um, and there's I just missed that traffic light. Oh, like oh. two two seconds. Arr. And I stood there and I stood there. And right before it turns, Rob runs up beside me and gives me the head nod. Like, oh, hey, okay, I guess we're here again. Mm. All that work was for nothing. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, those moments are uh, few and far between. But I was actually really happy with uh, my nutrition strategy, my pacing strategy. There wasn't any real lows in terms of my focus or feeling like I wasn't going to make it. But there was definitely some very, very painful moments with, uh, you know, muscle seizing and cramping and like things like that, which I think happened to everyone at some point. Uh, when you're tired from the day before, you've done a lot of neurological fatigue to your muscle system, and then you're trying to run on that. So uh, it's, a, it's a different animal. Um, 68K, I couldn't 
speak really anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> I the words last words I said were I was like I can't think. You guys have to do it. Oh, so <laughs> that was all I said. And ah. at that point, my crew understood that like you know whatever I was getting fed, I wasn't deciding. Whatever I was whatever I was eating, like I you know I just let go of that. I was like okay, I have to trust this process to someone else. Um, and luckily, Devin had been with me on. Um, three other races so she really had a good understanding of what I would do if I was thinking straight um, and we never really suffered that big uh, that big drop you know um, for those who've never kind of been to that point before where you're completely empty you just start those little goal settings right it's like run to the rock okay yeah, she yeah. has ice I gotta get to the ice okay I gotta and it's just you know just it's the idea of how do you eat an elephant right like you eat it one bite at a time <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way and speaking of one bite at a time what uh, what was your nutrition strategy oh the top secret nutrition strategy oh, 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 oh no <laughs> no no I think that people get very worked up over nutrition yeah. um the biggest thing is that you need to understand your salt um and by salt i mean your electrolytes yeah. um and kona was an environment that i'm not built for you know i didn't cut cut weight once this year like i raced heavy at every single race i did because oh, i was dealing with a lot of other stuff i was yeah. recovering from so um I went through half a container of base salts during that race, which I wouldn't recommend for anyone, but um, it was the only way that I was going to keep moving forward. Um, I do a lot of <laughs> Sutton-esque uh, nutrition strategies, so using a carbohydrate um, base drink, but also chocolate. Like chocolate, chocolate is the bomb, in my opinion. Yes. Ah. Like real um, chocolate bars, chocolate? Yeah, you know, like the Mars bars type yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, Brett it's was nice, always saying like you, yeah. Brett was saying like if you can get it anywhere in the world, you're yeah. never gonna have a problem using it. And like you know, Snickers, Mars, some of those yeah. are not conventional products, but you can no, get them at any gas station work. in the world pretty much. Exactly. So yeah. if you have access to it every day you train, you're gonna have a good response to it with your gut on race yeah. day. So, in terms of real food, stuff that isn't in a powder or a liquid, you ate chocolate. Any other real food you ate? Uh, yeah, mixed it up with uh, like a lot of different bite-sized stuff. Mm -hmm. um, everything from everything from candy to like homemade like cookie balls, um, things that are longer carbohydrate based. Yes. But the other thing about preparing for an Ultraman is you realize very quickly that what you think you're going to crave is probably not what you're going to crave. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so you need to go in when you prepare your, you know, your coolers and stuff uh, with as many options as possible. Yes. Um, yeah. And some real I, food. You know, go ahead. And some real food because you just get so sick of oh, eating yeah. Power Bars and Gatorade, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Mm. And... You know, I switched to iced tea at one point, just oh, because, yeah. like, oh, man, iced tea is the bomb. Like, yeah, <laughs> it just tastes totally different than Gatorade. Tastes, like, yeah, oh, exactly. And then, you know, an hour and a half later, you're sick of iced tea. You don't yeah. want any more iced oh, tea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so variety is the key. Yeah, I, I honestly think that that is a big part of it. And then the other, uh, 
the other secret weapon, I guess, that everyone who does Ultraman should have is, uh, you know, the pickle juice idea. I honestly think that that will save a lot of people. Oh, yeah, pickle juice, because um, it's full of salt. It has a really um, interesting response because of the vinegar content in terms of mm. muscle cramping. So if you start to cramp in a lot of different ways, that is just like something that the ultra runners have been using for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can just bring you back instantly. You know, two minutes yeah. later, any cramp that was there can sometimes just dissipate and yeah. get your back rolling. So, yeah. so Jordan, you you won the championships. What What has winning the championships meant to you? Oh, it's like, you know, is um, like I mentioned earlier, knowing what like Ketjar went through and like, you know, him winning that world championship and like just trying to follow in the, the steps of that was kind of fun and unique and something that I had heard about from a very young age. And to be able to put myself kind of, you know, in that same sort of uh, box was something that it meant a lot and it meant a lot that it was in a done in a way that I can really be proud of, I guess. Not so much just from the result, but just, you know, working with um, such a phenomenal person in Julie Dibbins as a coach and having that sort of support, but then having your crew there and just being there to race and to, to see what you can do and have the best race that you're capable of. It had maybe a little bit less to do with, you know, the overall win and saying you're a champion had more to do with just being able to um, make the as many good decisions and um, race as smart as possible for you know the course of almost 24 hours uh, yeah. total race time. So yeah, I was I was pretty ecstatic. Obviously, you know, having a world title like that is pretty important, and it's not something that would uh, I would take lightly because I know there's a lot of people that really would love to, love that love that oh and, yes um, yeah it's just you know it's really important and really special yeah and i think um as well like you know my my dad the week before did his very first iron man so he's been doing triathlon sprint distance and some other distances since i pretty much started um but he oh. had a double knee replacement and at oh. 60 years old did his first iron man and um, immediately the next week signed up for his next one because he wanted to improve and keep pushing forward and seeing what he was capable of. So oh, wow. it's, it's just really nice when you can see something happen, bring it to fruition and then move forward and, and, you know, see what else you can do and take the next step. Yeah. And yeah, that was, that was a lot a large piece of the reason to go there and, uh, why I'm happy with it, I guess. You're a, you're a happy guy, and there's certainly a bit more than just uh, Jordan Bryden, the athlete, because you're, I think, one of these rare people in Canada who's actually been able to to make a living from triathlon. How do you earn all this money? I mean, you're headed off to a training camp. You do a lot of training, racing all over the world, um, but most of your income is from the sport of triathlon. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so, like, obviously it's... Um it's not a sponsorship thing <laughs> as much as I would love to say it is. Um, no, the, the income I create is, I, I, I guess the easiest way to simplify it is in about 2013, 2014, I made the decision that I wanted to be able to be as mobile as possible, um, be able to work for myself. So I just ended up choosing projects 
and switching income into only remote based jobs. Um, that then led to my position where I currently am the lead graphic designer for um, a company called Tribe Solutions. I'm the lead graphic designer for all ITU merchandise that goes up um, well all around the world. So any World Cup, wow. WTS, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I do a bunch of Ironman racing uh, and Ironman races. Um, work for over 300 races around the world as well as close to 200 different clients um, on designing bike gear and wow. training suits and racing okay. suits and Jeez. yeah so I do you know I do substitute and I do pay for 90% of my income um, specifically from working remotely wow. so I uh, freelance as a photographer I coach um, 12 athletes I own three running races and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of hours, but it's all jobs that I can do when I'm living in a sprinter van anywhere I want. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, wow. Wow, that's amazing. So you've, you've done, well, with the exception of maybe going to the Olympics, you've certainly hit every, you know, box or every checklist for that box. Um, what do you have left to do in the sport that you haven't done yet? Oh yeah, well, obviously, races a pro in Kona is uh, is at the top of that list. I I don't think I'm under any illusion that I'm going to uh, beat Fredino at the next <laughs> World Championships by any means. But I do think that there are courses out there that suit me where I can podium at quite uh, handily with the right amount of um, preparation. And the way the pro uh, ranking system works right now is, you know, a podium, uh, a top one, or in some cases two will get you to Kona. And that's uh, that's kind of more, in my mind, viewed as the reward for getting to that point than it is um, an overall focus on how fast can you be in Kona? Because, you know, it's very, um, it's a very hard climate for someone my size to race in, but the passion is definitely there to see how fast I can go um, on certain other courses. I obviously grew up around the Penticton scene, so podiuming Ironman Canada is something that is, you know, front of my mind. Uh, and then obviously just seeing how far you can go with other races that maybe you're passionate about, or in my case, that suit me. So Challenge Roth is also in there as a, uh, mm -hmm. a focused race for the next year or two. Now, uh, Challenge Penticton, are you down for uh, coming back in 2020, Jordan? Yeah, or for, uh, you said Challenge? No, for... <laughs> you mean um, Ultraman? Uh, nope, for uh, Ironman Canada in Penticton. Yeah, so that one uh, definitely going to be at Ironman Penticton. Um, I think everyone in Calgary is going. <laughs> 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 like, I, I swear there's over four, I would guess there's got to be three to four hundred triathletes from wow. Calgary going. Um, that race means a lot. And um, I, I think it's just going to be an amazing show. Like, you know, to be gone into Whistler and then to come back. Um, my buddy Brett, Jeff Simons is going to be racing, and I like I want nothing more than to race with that guy because he's <laughs> the coolest guy out there, and I have so much fun when I'm on the course with him that I think we can feed off of each other. Um, and then obviously Canadians, <laughs> like you don't know who's going to show up, yeah. like uh, Antoine, uh, Taylor Reed, Brett McMahon. It's just the list is full of very strong 
Canadian athletes. I think, you know, even Nathan Killam took a third this year at an Ironman. And so those guys, I just can't wait to mix it up with. Yeah, that's um, that's one ugly know. bunch of athletes. I mean, you've got Killam, the man with the mustache. You've got Mr. Ugly himself, Jeff Simons. Uh, and, and as you're saying, you know, who else is going to jump into the fray now that... Uh, Trevor and Heather are out and retired. There's there's obviously going to be somebody, and it's going to be you and uh, the whole crew of new people. The old course, except for perhaps uh, some tweaks to the run course, which they're still holding out on us. But uh, the swim course is going to be the swim course. We know what the bike course is going to be. And the run course could suit you, Jordan, whatever that may happen to be. Yeah, exactly. I, I have some ideas for what it's going to be, so I'm pretty excited that um, there's a plan in place already and, you know, a training protocol that we're following. And that's, uh, you know, that's the, as far as I'm concerned, that's the big show in 2020 for me. Um, I would like to possibly go back and defend that world title. Yes. Um, but first let's get through Penticton and then we'll start to think a little bit farther than that. Um, now that you are the, uh, and I'm so happy to say this, the reigning world champion at the Ultraman distance, um, for folks who are, you know, dabbling into this, like I made reference to before, they've done a few Ironmans and they're thinking, what if, what if, um, what kind of advice coming from the world champion would you have for somebody who wants to do their first Ultraman distance triathlon? I think the the first thing to do is just to get your head around it um, and realize that whatever your strengths are is something that you can really use. If you're a strong swimmer, most of them aren't, but the, the few that are um, really powerful in the water, like your swim can matter, right? And okay. the same can be said uh, on the bike. When you, when you go down that bike, if you enjoy riding your bike, well, you have a lot of time to enjoy it. Mm, yes. <laughs> so Days so honestly, just <laughs> enjoy um, working on your strengths a little bit more. You know, there's that, um, I guess like there's a little bit of a hesitation to work on your strengths when it comes to Ironman distance because you need to focus on your weaknesses to bring them up. But I feel like Ultraman gives you a chance to exploit that into a, a way that you're able to, you know, have a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing is that you can't go into an Ultraman expecting um, the same dynamic from a person. I, I don't think you can expect the same dynamic from the event itself and the way that people behave because it's very different. Um, it's very inclusive. There's none of this going to the transition zone and not talking to anyone, putting your headphones yes. on, yeah. being super hardcore. Yeah, that's just not what it's about. It's no. you know, it's about being out there and really just finding your own limits with a whole bunch of other people that are doing the same. And wherever the results lie, at the end of the day, is where they lie. You know, embracing other people's crews, uh, helping other athletes along with their journey, you know, sharing the sponge <laughs> when you're on that run for us. That's just a little bit more about what the distance is about, I think. Um, for those that are maybe more worried just about making the time cutoffs in their first go, I think it's just a matter of being true to the... Uh, 
the training that you have put in up until that point, try not to show up unprepared by any means. Yeah. Um, but also just respect the course on that day and appreciate the course. And I think you can do just fine by, you know, living by those small ideas. And, you know, there's, there's obviously like little training tips that I can always offer. If anyone ever wants to reach out to me, I'm more than willing to like just answer individual questions regarding the distance. Um, they can contact me online. So that, that's pretty incredible to ask the world champion, uh, some insights on training for an Ultraman. Could you give, uh, just over the podcast right now, your contact information? Are you cool with that? Or did you want me to take that off of, uh, off the podcast? No, absolutely. Um, easiest way to contact me is Instagram probably because I grew up as a photographer for a dad. So I, uh, I like sharing photos on there regularly. It's just at Jordan Bryden. My Twitter is the same. I don't log into Twitter that much anymore. Um, just kind of getting started with the cool kids on TikTok. If you haven't heard of that, haven't no. <laughs> TikTok is like <laughs> TikTok's like the fastest growing app in the world. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's at Jordan Bryden as well. Um, and then my email, if anyone wants to reach out by that, is just my name at gmail.com and facebook.com slash commitment commitment so that's everything okay um yes. we're gonna end off the um i'm not sure if you've been preparing for the interview jordan but uh we asked um all the greats including uh jeff simons this question we ended off with the traditional fitzby question and uh we're gonna do the same for you jordan so jordan if you were not a human being what kind of animal would you be and uh Tell us why. Oh, what kind of animal would I be? Man. That's a tough one. I, I would have to say that uh, I, I've always had uh, something with the, the jaguar. Aha. Something about <laughs> jaguar. I don't know what it is. There's something about like, it's a little bit sneaky. It's very calculated. But, um, you know, that animal is a... There's, there's something about that that definitely reaches out to me. Um, it's fast. I do it's have a, uh, I do also have a grizzly bear tattoo though. Ah. So I grew up, you know, around the the mountains, and um, maybe that would be my second pick. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, what was the second half of the question? There was a second half there. Oh, and just uh, tell us why. And I think you kind of alluded to that oh, already. Okay. Nailed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. I think maybe now that I think about it a little bit more, maybe the grizzly bear is a little bit more down my style. <laughs> I'm bigger. I'm, I, you know, it takes me a while to get moving, but once I'm moving, I can go. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jordan. Uh, it's uh, it's always pleasure talking to friends back in uh, back in the home country of Alberta, and our history goes back. So uh, remember to. Uh, to say hi to your dad Rob your mom Heidi uh, I remember swimming with those folks back in the day in Airdrie and uh, some swell memories memories of that and uh, congratulations on on an amazing achievement yeah thank you very much and hopefully I'll uh, catch up with you uh, you know in person soon and maybe we can do this all again after uh, after next season hopefully I have another result there that we can talk about (laughs) absolutely Thank you so much, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. All right. All the best to you both. (laughs) 
here's your FitSpeak 90 at the races. We're going local today all the way to Matsqui Trail as the running room put on their annual hypothermic half event. We have the top three men and top three women overall. In the women's division, your overall winner was Brianne Steven in one hour and 51 minutes. Taking silver, Rachel Rempel from Abbotsford just about a minute back. And getting third for the females was Sherry Halliday in one hour and 55 minutes. For the men and the overall winner from Abbotsford, it was Mark Rempel in a very fine 1 hour and 22 minutes. Second overall was Ninderjeet Daliwal in just over an hour and 30 minutes and taking bronze Gurb Kara in 1 hour 33 minutes. And that's your Fitspeak 90 at the races. And that's it for another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wenting's Cycling Mission. Your Wenting's Word of the Week is power. Once again, your Wenting's Word of the Week is power. We're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. Whether your goals are iron, golden, or ultra, our low client-to-coach ratio ensures you get the one-on-one time you deserve to achieve your potential. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See the link at the bottom of this page to book your free consultation and goal-setting session. Coming up next time on FitSpeak, Mikey Ross will be back for another top five list. I'll have another edition of FitFlops, Misadventures in the World of Fitness. And we'll be speaking with Jim Winter. He's the organizer of a new running adventure that's coming up in Coquitlam next month. For all of us at Fitspeak, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening.